Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Gratitude is resilience of sorts, the defiance of kindness in the face of anger, of connection in the face of division, and of hope in the face of fear. Gratitude empowers us. It makes joy and love possible. It rearranges the way we see and experience what is all around us. Gratitude makes all things new. So says our guest, one of my favorite guests, anytime we can drag her onto the show. Diana Butler Bass is an author, a speaker, an independent scholar specializing in American religion and culture. She holds a PhD in religious studies from Duke University, and she's the award-winning author of 10 books, including Grounded, Finding God in the World, A Spiritual Revolution, Christianity After Religion, The End of Church and the Birth of a New Spiritual Awakening, and more recently, one of my favorite books, and a book that ties into the holiday nicely, Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks. It's always a pleasure to welcome back Dr. Diana Butler-Bass. Hello. Hi, John. It's really wonderful to be with you. And this is my favorite holiday. Why is that? Oh, I just think that it is a great thing to be able to have a celebration of gratitude. You know, a lot of people talk about it being about pilgrims and Indians, and it's all very fraught uh, when we look at the mythological history of Thanksgiving. But the very notion that we live in a country that puts a holiday aside for gratefulness, um, on which basically the the main practice, I think, on this particular day, besides turkey and football and arguing with your relatives, is going out and making sure that other people have stuff to eat. You yeah. know, so this is a one day a year when we literally go through the streets, pick people up, make sure that they are warm and well fed. And I just think that Thanksgiving is amazing for that. And I want America to be like that every single day of the year. Yeah, me too. I mean, it really is. I mean, a Christian nation would do that. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is always, you know, after Thanksgiving comes Black Friday, which I call Thingsgiving, because 2000 years ago, this guy, Jesus, warns people about wealth and materialism. And today, capitalism is propped up by his birthday. So in a time of such incredible spiritual hypocrisy, I mean, I, I always think that Thanksgiving is uh, the most valuable of all holidays because it's not about receiving anything. It's about recognizing what you have received, even if it was things that you couldn't appreciate at the time. Yeah. And the other reason is it's not only just about recognizing the gifts that were given uh, already and then spreading gifts around to everybody else, but it's also the only fully, I think, interreligious holiday we have. Everybody's welcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, I think I think it's just amazing that it it could function so beautifully as sort of the centerpiece for pluralistic, democratic and multicultural nation. Well, I think Thanksgiving is a very political holiday on a spiritual level. And I know that at a time like this, I mean, we're we're still just recoiling from yet another mass shooting by yet another young white male in his early 20s who was easily able to get yet another machine of war designed to kill lots of humans really fast. And I think anyone would be forgiven for thinking it's in poor taste to talk about gratitude at a time like this, when there is such division and such hatred and, 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 and just such suffering. But as you keep reminding us, it is during times of division, hatred and suffering. It is during the darkest times that we need to find an ability for gratitude in us. 
the mistake I think that we make about gratitude is one I often hear from church people. There's a verse in second, First Thessalonians, excuse me, that says, in all things give thanks. And that verse is quoted a lot. And even President Biden quoted it the other day when he pardoned the turkeys. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that he quoted it wrong, which is what most people do. They usually say, for all things give thanks. And mm -hmm. the verse doesn't doesn't say that. You don't give thanks for all things. It's in all things give That's thanks. Right. And the That's idea, bad. yeah, I mean, it's so it, it's really kind of it's a huge difference. Yeah. And you know the the idea that we we don't give thanks for injustice, we don't give thanks for Nazis, we don't give thanks for fake news, we don't give thanks for out of control uh, gun you know sort of mania, we don't give thanks for people who hate LGBTQ people, we don't give thanks for racism, we don't give thanks for any of that. But in and through these things, there are ways of finding where the gift is in even the worst of situations. And I think that the moment of thanks is pretty obvious in the Colorado shooting. That fella who is, you know, a trained army guy mm -hmm. who literally without a gun, without any weapon, jumped the fella who had an AR-15 and a pistol, brought him down, brought got a, a one of the drag queens to come over and stomp on the guy's face with her high heels. And they literally stopped that massacre from being like the Pulse nightclub. Yes. And, you know, it's terrible. It's I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's maddening. It's it, it terrifies me um, as a person with so many gay and lesbian friends that five people were killed, you know, in a situation like that. And at the very same time, we can say, thank God for brave, amazing people who stand up to that kind of yeah. violence, even at the threat of losing their own life. Absolutely. And and I'm thankful that a couple of unarmed men in a gay bar were able to do what a hundred armed men couldn't do at Uvalde, Texas. And and also, I, I think and again, this oh, is a little John, comfort. that is the truth. Right. Right. But but also and it's a little comfort to, to the grieving loved ones. But I'm thankful that this kind of bigotry is an endangered species in the 21st century. I mean, in our lifetimes, we've seen an America that transitioned from a place where you could get fired from your job if they found out you were gay to now having openly gay officials in a White House cabinet and worldwide disgust at this kind of fake Christian bigotry. You know, I'm I'm thankful that people have taken Christianity away from the homophobes. Yeah, I am, too. I happen to be an Episcopalian and my church, we have an amazing number of people from the LGBTQ community who serve in the highest levels of leadership in our church. And they have been a real gift to our our whole family. And um, there are lots of churches that are like that. There are still the the awful ones who are working towards demonization of gay people yep. and who Plenty are trying of those to in Colorado Springs. Oh, yes, really. Ground zero for it in certain ways. You know, and they're trying to bring all these things back. This is part of the vision of, you know, make America great again. Um, but I, I'm with you. I am very thankful that the their anger and their their vitriol, I think, is evidence of how far we've all come toward a better society with greater rights for all people and that treats people with the dignity they deserve. Well, then let me quote you again, because you also wrote gratitude transforms how we understand what is broken and gives us the ability to act more joyfully and with hope. That is why gratitude is central to all the world's religions. As a practice, it embodies the wisdom of humanity's greatest spiritual teachers, the love of neighbor. Gratitude takes us from abstract belief to living compassion in the world. That's where my atheist friends can lean in from abstract belief to living compassion in the world. You, you say gratitude is strongest, clearest, most robust and radical when things are really hard, really hard. All is lost hard. And that's what I love. That's the spirit. And that's something that doesn't belong to any religion or, or doesn't belong to belief at all. I did want to talk about how 
we get gratitude wrong? Because I've heard you say, Diana, that it's largely privatized. And I'd love to unpack that a bit and see what you mean. Yeah, the the primary way we get it wrong is thinking it's sort of like a hearts and flowers wellness practice that you go to your yoga class and you get into the mode of gratitude and you come out and it and everything is well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's almost a little like a, what I call a, a, a secular version of the prosperity gospel. If you oh just my say, God, thank it's you, like thank it's you. like you've been reading my vision board. I swear to God, it's like you've peeked into my God box and know all my secrets. <laughs> I know it really it makes me sort of feel a little sick when I run into <laughs> that kind of gratitude. It's like, please, please stop the hearts and flowers. And, um, you know, I, I, I get why people go in that direction. You know, meditation is a great thing. Uh, contemplation is a great thing. I do think developing personal practices of gratitude are really important. But when we leave them in the private sphere, they do have the tendency to just sort of create a space for us to feel good about sort of the stuff we have. That's the other yeah. piece of consumerism, really. We yeah. think of our blessings mostly as material or we think of them as our own private health and well-being. And so that's the way that it can kind of go astray when it's just privatized. And so there's this me of gratitude that when it is wrongly sort of directed and has no sort of outward direction that I think becomes just a new form of selfishness. And that's when gratitude has to move out into the the we is mm -hmm. that gratitude is necessarily communal because we're always thankful for something or someone or in the midst of the situation or through a crisis. I like to remind people that gratitude is always prepositional. prepositional. It, uh, it'll, yeah, it's prepositional. So it connects us to something else that's beyond mm. ourselves. You really can't have gratitude just sort of in your own little soul sitting in a corner in, in your meditation class um right. it always is something beyond you that makes you grateful or that is a memory of gift that you have been given or a person who has influenced you so it's always connected to something and that's where the second problem comes in it's privatized on one hand in ways that are sappy um, mm -hmm. and then on the second hand when we do try to move it out into the public sphere it often becomes transactional. Yeah, I so, wanted to ask you about that. I, I like the prepositional, but let's let's unpack the transactional because I, I love your mm -hmm. phrasing on what public gratitude can be prone to. Yeah, well, okay, say you do recognize that there are these prepositions involved with gratitude, that it's always connecting you to something that's beyond yourself. And you go, wow, that's really cool. Well, then you're into the space of gratitude of we, public gratitude. And what has happened in the public use of gratitude, and this, this is a problem going well back in Western history, that people who are the richest people, they like to think of themselves as being the, the benefactors or the dispensers of gifts. Mm -hmm. And once they put themselves in a position sort of over the rest of us, they give out things according to their noblesse oblige, you know, the, the obligation yeah. of the nobles to spread good stuff around. And that kind of gratitude becomes a transaction. I'll give you something, but what I want something back from you. I want you to put right. my name on a bu building. I want you to give me endless thanks. I want you to always vote for my political party. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Quid pro quo gratitude. Quid pro quo gratitude, which is so much of organized religion as well. It's, it's, it's so often a trap that humans paint themselves into. Yeah, it functions in religion and it functions in politics. You know, it's like, okay, Jesus saved us. You hear that all the time in Christian churches. Yeah. Jesus saved you. And so you have to, you must, you are obligated to worship Jesus forever, give him thanks. And if you do that in the appropriate ways, responding to what Jesus has done for you, well, then Jesus will do you another favor. And that is Jesus will take you to heaven for all time and you'll live you know, with the yeah. with saints and the angels forever. And exactly. so, so it, so there's this transaction that's involved in it. 
and religion is is often like that and it's not just christianity other religions think of things transactionally too but politically i mean we just had that was the first impeachment trial of president trump yeah it was about quid pro quo gratitude he said you know if you do this thing for me cook up this fake evidence about whatever hunter biden's laptop which i still can't quite figure about, out yeah, about yeah about about uh, announce an investigation of joe biden he didn't want an investigation he wanted an announcement of an investigation and in right. exchange i'll give you stuff that we already promised to give you that's right weapons and stuff to be able to beat the russians in case they invade your country and so both in religion and in politics we have this sort of trap of transactional gratitude i do this because i've got the goods and whether those goods are salvation or those goods are money or help mm-hmm. that you 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 need i'll only give them to you under these certain circumstances so tit for tat quid pro quo you are in my debt if i give you this thing and that is evil I mean, that's not yes. that doesn't even come close to being gratitude. Exactly. That's controlling other people. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is progress. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I should point out that um, your substack, The Cottage, is now one of the top religion substacks because I subscribe to you and I love reading you on this. But you ranked what? One of the top three in all religion? Yeah, I'm congratulations. I'm, I'm, very hum- I'm very humbled by it and very pleased. <laughs> so it's a great thing to be able to have a community that's forming around uh, writing about great ideas in religion. And then I also uh, work to try to keep people inspired uh, I mean, by interesting and provocative and challenging ways of thinking about faith. I was uh, I, I do read your Substack, and I was going back this morning through your previous editions to Thanksgiving of 2020, which is one of my favorite columns you wrote. And I had bookmarked it at the time where two years ago you said Thanksgiving is next week and many of us don't feel gratitude. This year hasn't exactly fostered gratitude. The COVID pandemic, the loss of so much we love, the fires and storms of the climate crisis, economic depression, and a political nightmare that won't end. This is the year of no thanks. And I wanted to bring it up because it's important to to acknowledge it's okay to feel like that. You know, you shouldn't feel obliged by the culture to give gratitude if you're not able to do that right now. Right. And there's nothing worse than somebody who is a, a person who is a teacher about gratitude to then sort of participate in that culture of you must give thanks. It's like, no, that's not gratitude. What gratitude is at its deeper level, and I think this is why it does wind up being so important um, in all these different wisdom traditions across human history, is that churches, synagogues, any religious institution can misuse gratitude to make it transactional. But what it really is intended to be, it's the capacity when we open our eyes to see that every single one of us is, first of all, the recipient of a gift. And that is our lives. And then not just our own lives, but that we live in this amazing 
amazing world that is constantly giving us more gifts the air that we breathe, the beauty of the land and and the sky to inspire us. It gives us the food we eat. Nature and and human nature, relationality, love, friendship, all of these things that every single person is, first of all, a recipient of all of these gifts. And And so who are we obligated to? For all of that, you know, some religions would say, well, we're obligated to God. I don't think so. I I think in Christianity, the primary, the best vision of God is that God just did that because God loves to throw stuff around. God just loves opening the 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 treasure trove of the universe and and being this sort of wildly uncontrollable giver of everything. As God mm-hmm. didn't do that to just sort of get a bunch of human beings crawling around on planet Earth to say, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you." We're going to grovel, 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 grovel. Yes, <laughs> right. I don't think that's what that was all about. I think that the nature, if you do believe in a God. The nature of that God is gifting. Yeah. And then we then we as human beings are are recipients of that. And the Jewish and Christian traditions, of course, teach that human beings are created in image of God. And so therefore, our job is to sort of echo that among human community, that we are all recipients, and then we turn around. And we're all givers. So there's no quid pro quo structure at all. All it's about is reciprocity, is that we've been given something beautiful and amazing that sends us into awe and wonder. And you can be an atheist. You can be a a complete humanist. You can have a completely secular view of the world and still have that that sense of awe and wonder at the gifts that we're surrounded with. That's why it's my favorite holiday, too. Yeah. And then... Then we turn around and because out of that sense of awe and wonder, out of that sense of appreciation and recognizing the giftedness that surrounds us, that makes up the very fabric of every single moment, really, of our existence here on this planet, then we pass that on to other people. It's reciprocal, not transactional. It's not about obligation. It's about a heart-moved, free response. Um, where we recognize that all the time we are all recipients and we're all givers. And and I think that's actually a f- sort of the fundamental theological cornerstone of Judaism and Christianity both. Well, and really, there's a scientific element to it as well. We've, we've only got a couple minutes, mm-hmm. but in your in your book, Grateful, you talk about how practicing gratitude creates an upward spiral of well-being. And you've been doing this month of gratitude at, at your the Cottage Substack, and it seems like it's very good for sanity. I just wanted to ask you briefly about these researchers at USC who really kind of discovered one of the best ways to strengthen gratefulness was to be specific when journaling about gratitude. As you put it, the gratitude dividend is in the details. What did they do at USC that actually lent a lot of scientific uh, credence to these thinkings? Yeah, they had a couple of different groups of people uh, do a month-long gratitude project with them to just sort of study what was the better pathways of practicing gratitude. And one of the groups, they were to write down five things every day that they were grateful for. And I think that's something that we oftentimes do. We sort of run through at the end of the night, uh, you know, I'm grateful for these three things. Or maybe over dinner, we might turn around to our partner or friend who we're eating with and say, hey, I'm grateful for X today. So very quick little sort of like gratitude arrows to the universe. And that was a good practice. They found out that that did help people develop this awareness of, of gifts and reciprocity and their connection to other people. But the better practice was if you took one thing you were grateful for during the day and wrote five sentences about it. And so that I found to be really compelling. I did not know of that practice when I was writing Grateful, which was written in uh, 2016, 2017. And I just, when I read that USC study, I went, oh, that makes so much sense. Because if you write about something with just a little bit more detail, it works its way into your soul. I agree. And, And I think that the details then you can later recall them and Mm -hmm. just say, 
Oh, yeah, that's what I learned. I remember that. So I think that's a really interesting practice. The details are important when it comes to giving thanks. Diana, it is so good to see you and have you back on the show. And I want to end by quoting you from a couple years ago where you said, this Thanksgiving, we do not give thanks, we choose it. And it's so good to see you. I'm thankful that you joined us for our Thanksgiving special. Um, Diana Butler-Bass is the author of Grateful, The Subversive Practice of Giving Thanks. And if you're into the Substack, I highly recommend The Cottage. I get it every day. And uh, I like to pretend it makes me a better person because you're such a better person than me. Thank you so, so much, Diana Butler-Bass. It's always a joy to see you. Thank you, John. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your whole family. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Uh, JFK famously said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Well, I don't know what that means, but I want to talk about gratitude right now because I have so much gratitude for the people I get to work with here at uh, the Love Fest here as we bring good trouble to the right wing bubble. I am blessed with a team that includes Thea Harper and Chris Houselt and all the great people at Progress like Sean Bertolo, who keep this train on the tracks. I'm obviously blessed by our terrific audience all of our evil army of the night, and of course, all of the daywalkers who listen the following day on demand, on the app, and on the Fugle Sang podcast. And I am so grateful, not just for the celebrity guests we have, not just for the political guests and the authors, but really for the regulars, for the people that are on this show every week. When we first began this here at What the Fuck O'Clock, I said one of my goals was I wanted to create a neighborhood. And when the pandemic hit, it became more important than ever for this show to be a place with the same cast of characters on a regular basis. And so one of the best parts is having specials where we bring our favorite regulars together to have a panel with people that you guys know from this show, but aren't usually in the same room together or the same Zoom click together. So people of Earth, allow me to welcome you to our Thanksgiving special with Rhonda Handsome, comedian extraordinaire, a woman who has opened for Diana Ross, a woman who has opened for Aretha Franklin. She is the Nina Simone of comedy. Ms. Handsome, if you're nasty, happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm black, y'all. Gobble, gobble, thank, gobble. I'm so thankful you're black. Also, please welcome uh, one of our favorite academics who still speaks to us on a regular basis, the author of the essential book, The Oath and the Office. You know him and you love him from the poli sci department at Brown. Uh, Professor Corey Brechneider, it's so good to have you with us. Thanks, John. Looking forward to the conversation. How long has it been since I've had you on a panel with a couple of comedians, Corey? I think it's pre-pandemic. Well, I, I mean, that was, I think, you know, when we met, we did this all the time on your old channel. And mm -hmm. uh, it was, I always loved it. I mean, it's, you know, free entertainment. There's no two drink minimum. <laughs> so you get to just sit here and enjoy it. A lot less expensive, but equally enjoyable, maybe more. And you get to interact you know without without sitting in the front row and getting getting mocked so oh you'll you'll you'll, you'll you'll get heckled here i promise uh but, but I, I need to thank you for that because on the old on the old channel i loved pairing you with comics uh but uh, you know it's fun to be fun but uh, you really class up a room Corey. and honestly i'm i'm so grateful to everything you bring this show and for keeping me sane because if there's anything that these three guests have in common, you're all people who don't pussyfoot around the truth, but you all still manage to help me keep grounded and keep perspective and uh, and keep fear at bay, except for Keith Price. Um, no, Keith is uh, <laughs> with us every Wednesday. Keith, of course, was uh, the first openly gay and first openly black radio show host on Sirius XM on the late lamented OutQ channel. And everyone should catch his essential Broadway podcast, Keith Price's Curtain Call. Comedy Daddy, happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you too, John. And hey, everybody else, how y'all doing? This is this is nice. Hopefully, we can. We'll just talk nice today. But we don't. We we'll don't have to let the world. We'll let the world do what it does. Well, you know, I just had a very spiritual half hour with Diana Butler Bass, so I, I, I'm feeling a bit grounded and grateful, and I, I really think that. In talking about giving thanks and talking about gratitude, it doesn't mean we have to play dumb about how shitty everything is. It's actually acknowledging how corrosively shitty everything is, what a threat to democracy we have, how you get the fascist from column A or the fascist from column B if you're in the Republican Party. And yet still, you know, the Supreme Court is compromised. The earth is getting hotter. We know how bad it all is. Anti-Semitism is having a moment, as they say. And yet it's all about the other part. 
and the part that keeps us going and why we're all here. And um, I, I just want to begin by asking, what does Thanksgiving mean to all of you? Uh, you're a very diverse crew when it comes to ideology. Uh, Corey, what, what is when you think as a as an academic about Thanksgiving, what, what does this holiday represent for you? Um, I think it represents family, first of all, and gathering around the table, but also good discussions about things that matter in the world. And when I think about what I'm thankful, this Thanksgiving, you you sort of stole my thunder that we had this walking threat to democracy. It's still there, but not, I think, not victorious in in an obvious way. And, uh, you know, that, that the country, that we're not basically living under another term of Donald Trump, which would have, I, I really believe, meant the, the true end of the American Republic. The things that he was starting to learn how to do to put his people in charge of the Justice Department, to bring prosecutions against his opponents, it would have been a real nightmare. And I think the stuff that was, you know, you, you sort of was farce in a lot of ways because he was so incompetent would have just become so frightening in a second term. So I feel like these two years have been a, a breather. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to be too complacent, but I, I am truly grateful for the victory of Joe Biden over over Donald Trump. I, I said two years ago that we weren't we weren't electing a cure. We were hiring a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. And I, I would agree that that uh, that that is what has happened so far. And it, it is important to remember, you know, as as disgusted as I am with Ron DeSantis, I am very grateful that Donald Trump will never be president of this country, will never hire judges again, that he goes back to his job of being America's billionaire clown. Uh, although Elon Musk is challenging him for that right now. Uh, Mr. Keith Price, I'm very curious, what yes. does Thanksgiving represent to you? Well, let's see. Thanksgiving represents, it's a very twofold thing for me. It represents, one, a lot of really good food. (laughs) It's like, I mean, you know, everything that I have grown up on that has allowed me to stay the size that I am. Um, (laughs) I, I still, I think about constantly, especially now that my parents are gone, that I think about some of those Thanksgivings that we had as a kid. And the other thing that I think about now that I'm much more involved than I was is that this Thanksgiving actually represents one of the best land grabs ever in <laughs> the history of America. So, yeah. yes, it's twofold for me. <laughs> I, I Good times agree. of food and, you know, historically snatching land from people that had no idea that their land was going to be snatched from them. So, yeah. But like, let me let Fantastic. me go ahead and put on my let me go ahead and put on my Prozac hat for that, because I, I'm actually <laughs> Like I was raised with the same kind of propaganda you were raised with, and it's all pilgrims and friendly Indians, and everyone got along just great because we were good, and they were good, and they were very happy to give us their land. Um, I'm grateful that that myth is dead. I'm grateful that we're in a time now where debating that and knocking that down is virtue. And I'm grateful at a time when we have our first ever indigenous cabinet member that, you know, when we see the Vatican apologizing for for the uh, the schools that children were stolen from their family and sent to to be turned white, that we're beginning to see a bit of justice and, and we're a long way from reparations for First Nations people. But I, I, I'm thankful <laughs> that the bullshit about the first Thanksgiving has been called out. I don't think that we can afford the reparations to the Native Americans because that means we have to give everything back. Everything. <laughs> everything. None of this is ours. None. Yeah. At least they, we can go back to Africa and ask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm, but having said that, I'm happy to give them Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina. There are some states that we could happy, happily clear out for them and bring in Puerto Rico and D.C. for the flag. Uh, Miss Rhonda Handsome, I, I saved the best for last. You know, well, you are so good. You are so you are so good at bringing the soul and bringing the uh, the, the fire as well. And I'm very curious where you land on this date, what it means to you. Well, it it means sitting down at a festively decorated table side by side with people you've spent the entire year trying to avoid. <laughs> it's 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 a miracle that happens on a regular basis. And yes. uh, we, we have to be grateful 
<laughs> and, and you know, John, there's something else I'm grateful for when when you characterized us as regulars. You know, I really appreciated that because I would I would hate to be a celebrity in this climate. It seems like celebrities are like constantly in hot water. So being a regular person on the um, on the D list is is really a, a very good position to be in. <laughs> Well, thank you then for, for joining me in my gutter. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm still thankful for me, too. Like, I'm still thankful when we talk about celebrities falling from grace. Yeah, it's a sick society. The only thing we love more than putting people on a pedestal is tearing them down. But I'm, I'm still really grateful for the fact that we live in a time when mediocre men are being told you can be replaced. And when abusing women or abusing children... Uh, it's never been harder to get away with it than it is now. So in that sense, I, I am very grateful. But uh, I, I do appreciate what you say about family. I think Thanksgiving for me is a great holiday for anyone who likes to mix alcohol and relatives and tryptophan. To me, that's that's what it's all about. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. I'm John saying This is Sirius XM Progress. Welcome to Thanksgiving week. I'm so glad you're still here. I'm so glad we're all still here. And I do want to ask, and I want to ask you guys a little bit later about how you deal with those relatives at the dinner table and what you do when you go for Thanksgiving and might be sitting at a table with a loved one who might have some views that you don't really love and how you avoid bloodshed. But let, let me ask you, Professor Brechneider, what when you look back on this year, this year alone, I mean, what are you the most grateful for? You know, there, there's there's a lot from Katanti Brown Jackson to an infrastructure bill uh, to the resistance of the Ukraine people to, uh, you know, R. Kelly's going to jail. I mean, there's there's plenty from the year. We can look around the shitty things and find the good things. What as an American, what are you grateful for? I mean, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm a perpetual optimist in a, in a dark time. And I guess the, the thing is fi- finding other people who are willing to, you know, speak up for what's right and who are able to talk about the truth of what happened in history in the midst of people trying to make that illegal. I mean, who would have mm-hmm. thought in a time where an entire party had as its main agenda item to ban education really is what we're talking about history yeah uh and yet in the face of it it's not that you know all historians or political scientists have said hey let's just throw in the towel you you have a sort of digging in and and that's just one example i think of what we've seen over the past few years we have a movement you know sometimes people say it's an exaggeration to call what's happening in the mainstream of the Republican Party fascist. I don't think that. I think that is what's happening. You're seeing yeah. a resurgence of a kind of politics that, you know, define the nightmare of, of Europe in the 20th century. And yet, you know, when we ask, like, well, what would we have done if we lived at that time? We're seeing what people have done. And more often than not, especially people I call my friends, have found ways of responding that are creative through film, through radio and podcasts and writing. And, uh, you know, even though I don't want to minimize the threat that we've been living under and the fact that half of the country seems to still be devoted to a party that has declared its hostility to the most basic democratic values that that people haven't given up. They haven't turned cynical or or that's it. Yeah. uh, And so that's what I'm grateful for, for people standing up for its right. Me too. And I, I want to open this up to, to, to Keith and Rhonda because, you know, I'm not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. And you're talking about um, this phenomena that, that I call uh, uncritical of racist theory, where the same people who don't want the public to learn the truth about January 6th really don't want the public schools to learn the truth about American apartheid and slavery. And, uh, you know, as as awful as it is to in real time in the age of the Internet, watch these people try to erase the science of telling the truth and be successful in some cases. I'm just so grateful that they're losing. I'm so grateful that they're outing themselves as racists who are so terrified of people knowing the truth of racism. I think it's an amazing time to be alive in terms of this debate because the pushback is too strong and they're going to fail. I mean, mean, Keith, Rhonda, am I being too optimistic? 
Well, you know. Uh, yes, you're being too optimistic. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thank you. good. Tell me. Tell me. Pie in the sky. <laughs> when, no, just when that, just that, just that these people, these liars are being pushed down. I don't. I don't think. I really don't think they're going to succeed in hiding the the truth of this country's history. But tell me why I'm wrong, please, because. Well, you know, you know, when you as you use the term that they are outing themselves, uh, you you may see it as as a a negative thing. But what I see is they are amplifying their message and uh, adding recruits to their cause. I I think that uh, it is uh, a a clarion call to those of like mind and it's they they are not hiding anymore they are they are out in the open and um are flourishing as far as i can see and i i'm with you with that it's that i feel like yes it's nice that we now can see who these people are because that makes them you know easy to get to in terms of trying to eradicate this issue but what you don't realize is is that you know just like this nightclub shooting that just happened it's like we had you know, this this young man, I don't you know what little I did learn about him is the grandson of some, you know, MAGA crazy politician State assemblyman from California, crazy town, you know, yep. and and this person is being subjected to that kind of craziness like the, the world is being subjected to this kind of craziness because people do not want to hold folks accountable for the behavior. And, that and this kid was groomed. He was groomed to be a gun wielding homophobic baby. psychopath. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, so until we really, you know, like we're talking about critical uh, thinking as a big issue, it's like, you know, one of the reasons why they're trying to dismantle the educational system so, so fiercely is because you can raise better idiots if you teach them how to think the way you want them to think. And the more that people keep resisting, you know what I'm saying? The more that folks are resisting and doing it, you know, I, 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 I'm very thankful as you know, in terms of, of what's happening in that more people are starting to pay attention to what's happening. But now so, we have to go from paying attention to starting to get crap done, because personally speaking, I'm very scared to see how much more we can keep pushing this, you know, this back and forth between these crazy ass Republicans like that are going to be in the House for the next two years versus the thin majority that they're going to have in the Senate and mm-hmm. all the, the shenanigans that are going to happen between now and then that are going to complicate the process of things that are already fucked up now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, absolutely. We still haven't fixed voting. We still haven't fixed the situation with these police officers. We still, You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, all of that now is going to get lost. For the next two years. homelessness is is out of control. It right. Is yeah. Exactly. Out of exactly. You know, and, and, so and there's no s- be lost. And I agree you with know? everything you're saying. And there's no one giving solutions. There's lots of people pointing the finger. So, Keith, what are you grateful for then? In spite of all of this, what are you thankful for this year? You know what I'm thankful for? I'm actually thankful that I have a community of friends that includes several folks on this panel. Although I don't know you, Corey. We're just meeting today. Um, but, but, but for in one place or another in the course of the last few years that this country has been in turmoil, you know, back and forth that I've had my own personal struggles going back and forth that I'm still here. And I'm grateful to that because I have a wonderful cadre of friends from all over this country that have allowed me to still be where I am right now. And, you know, for that, I will be grateful forever because the rest of the world, I don't know what's going on, but at least I have a community that I know that for some you know, instance, I can count on them and hopefully they can count on me. And that's, you know, I'm just living for that right now. That's where I'm at well, right now. So, Rhonda, I saved you for third because I, I, I'm dying to know what in the end of uh, Year of Our Lord 2022 you are feeling thankful for. Well, it's so funny that I could echo uh, what, what Keith has just said. I I am ending this year in a spectacular way as an artist, as a creative person, as a stand-up comedian. I yep. mean, you know, yeah. having a three-week run, six nights a week, doing political comedy to an intelligent, bright, welcoming audience. And I just finished directing a, a play about a Sojourner Truth's fight for her son, 
and the experience of having three sold out performances in a, a gorilla type festival where, you know, things are wham, bam, you know, get this on and get this off and having uh, incredible talent to direct. Uh, it, I mean, it has just been extremely, extremely rewarding. And then uh, ending in December with uh, singing with with Groovin. I feel like it's a 360 degree um, acknowledgement of my uh, my talent, but also the associations that I have and all of those things things came through my network, my people right. that I, I have known uh, for for years or, or or met recently. And I have to say, I am I am so grateful for those supportive, uh, encouraging, nurturing people in, in my life. I I could not be the artist that I am uh, today feeling Absolutely. this gratitude without them. And, and I think that's very important because, you know, so many people, it get so discouraged and gaslighting being what it is it's so easy to fall into despair at the rank fuckery of our system and our purchased government and citizens united and how corrosively bad everything seems and i do think that a, a very great form of resistance is turning off the damn news and doing something creative you know i mean yeah. Corey, you're someone who's written tons of books you know what i'm talking about um I, I am curious, though, Professor, uh, as the resident academic and grown up in the room, um, what, are, what are you not thankful for this year? What do you most want to send back to the kitchen? Uh, I, as a professor, I'm going to delay first on that and, and turn to, to, to just say one more thing about, about all these comments, which is, I mean, one thing on the thankful part, I guess, is and I'm thankful for, for the discussion because I think we've all got a similar approach, which is. There's a sort of naive approach to not just Thanksgiving, but all holidays. It's like, oh, everything's so cheery and great. Yeah. And I think to be able to hold two thoughts together, one that the world at this moment is in many ways uh, to quote Greta on fire. And yet at the other, on the other hand, that there are ways through it, that, that that's really what I think a sensible, uh, honest approach to Thanksgiving, but also other holidays, of course, like famously the Fourth of July, right, is the the holiday yeah. that um, you don't want to sort of say, "Hey, how great was America in the 18th century?" In the way I think, actually, probably in the 1950s, it was pretty common to. You don't yeah. hear that anymore. I'm thankful for that, and yet it's a moment to think about the ideals of liberty and how we have fallen so short. So I, I guess I just like this approach to Thanksgiving in the same way I that you know. Frederick, looking to Frederick Douglass on the 4th of July has become rightly a, a fundamental thing to do. That's what I think we're doing on Thanksgiving. What am I not thankful for? Well, I mean, I've just got to start with the Supreme Court. I mean, that is frightening. You know, the idea that this branch of government that on the one hand, this naive and silly Chief Justice claims is calling balls and strikes, some sort of neutral arbiter has really moved into the forefront of American politics with an agenda that's fundamentally committed, I believe, to not just wiping away abortion rights, which we've talked about for a long time and which they've now done, but uh, the gains in gay rights, including gay marriage. And we can go through the list uh, leading up to American democracy, the assault on the right to vote that this court is really devoted to carrying out. Uh, and it's related to so-called use of free speech in order to basically put money in the forefront of politics and make the Amen. wealthy even more powerful. So that's something not to be thankful for. It's something to be absolutely uh, frightened about. And, uh, yeah, I yeah, completely agree. Thankful for, for them. <laughs> <laughs> Rondo, what about what about you? I, I, I would imagine there's something you're not grateful for. Oh, um, I, I want to give the Internet back. <laughs> I, I really do, John, because um, uh, growing up and, and well into my adulthood, I was an avid reader. I am an mm. avid reader. And now I find that I pretty much have my phone attached to my hand uh, yeah. about 22 of 24 hours out of the day. And I know too much. I know, I, I know too much that I have no control over whatsoever. And I also know too much that I can't even trust is actually the truth. It's just something mm -hmm. that I know. Yep. And uh, oh I, God, I would yes. give it back. 
I, 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 I would give that back to have uh, wow. something a little bit more reliable propaganda and hard copy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, oh, wow. I, I agree with I miss my pre-internet brain. My, my actual brain now has no memory space left. Um, and I had to delete wisdom to make room for all the information. So now I've got a lot more up there, but uh, no actual wisdom. And Elon Musk is a debit to his race. Uh, Keith, what, what, what are you decidedly not thankful for? <laughs> Well, you know, it's so funny. The internet, Elon Musk, I myself am, I would love for Twitter to give back the money that they got, whoever it was that sold Twitter, because it is finally clear to me that we are seeing the destruction of free speech right in front of us. Yeah. And, you know, it's being destroyed by a private citizen who's complaining that the government is having too much, you know, to do with whatever. And his whole goal is basically to dismantle this whole thing. It's like, who who's fooling who in this scenario you know what i'm saying so it's like right. i would love to see that come back to what it used to the pre elon musk you know pre em twitter versus post em twitter you know it's it's going to be sad to see that cuz i mean that's going to be you know we already know what's going on with facebook and and or meta or whatever the hell it is this mm-hmm. week um, and we see what's happening with like. Do you Instagram. have real estate in the metaverse, Keith? Uh, are you? Do you have waterfront property? Uh, what's happening with your, your your holdings in the metaverse? I have I have shore property right now in Nevada, <laughs> waiting for California to flood over. So yes, I'm invested heavily in our future. <laughs> Well, I, 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 it's it's lovely to agree with everything I've just heard from all of you. I, I just want to say I'm I'm grateful for the fact that every episode in American history of cruel, shitty men subjugating and hurting other people from Columbus to slavery to American apartheid to institutionalized misogyny, the ethnic cleansing of the indigenous people to homophobia, transphobia, the Iraq war, boy bands, all the evil that's been produced in this country has always been met with resistance. And I'm so grateful that I get to spend every week talking with uh, adults who have compassion and empathy like you guys and uh, are smarter and more moral than me and make this show that much better. Uh, Rhonda Handsome, how can our listeners follow you and keep up with all your doings? Oh, please follow me on Facebook at Rhonda Handsome Comedy, on Instagram at Rhonda Full, that's with two L's, and on Twitter at Rhonda Handsome. That's like a handsome man without the D. You don't need the D. (laughs) Keith Price, how do we follow you? I need the D, honey. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I couldn't let it go. I'm sorry. Corey's like losing tenure just by being in this conversation right now. I'm in search always, but they can find me at Comedy Daddy on Twitter and KeithPriceComic.com for everything else. And Professor Brett Schneider, thank you so much for being with us. How can our listeners keep up with you and your work? Uh, you could read my work at CoreyBrettSchneider.com and at least for the next two days, find me at Brett Schneider C on the Twitter. <laughs> Are you going to stay, Corey? I didn't quit America when evil right wing douchebags took over. I'm not going to quit Twitter when it happens. I guess it's depressing, but I'll probably wind up staying, especially with this uh, leader that we've got there. Uh, I mean, he doesn't I will say one last thing about him. He doesn't seem to be able to think in principles. It's just all about me, me, me. And uh, yeah. I find that shocking. <laughs> you you mean a self-absorbed super super wealthy white man in america is only thinking about an himself? apartheid baby what? Mm-hmm. man in america yeah what? i mean yeah. and you know it's not that he's gonna learn any better it's like we're stuck with what we've got there Oh, it's so it's so true. But at least his incompetence is uh, allowing Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg enough cover that they can fire thousands and thousands of people and no one's paying attention. It's almost like letting billionaires run our country isn't working the way they promised us. Corey Brettschneider, Rhonda Hanson, Keith Price, I love you all. I love what you bring into the world and to our little show here. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. 